It's your girl Corinne here. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Booch Please. Today, in the house studio, I have a special guest, and we're going to talk about a topic that I've wanted to talk about since the inception of a podcast, or this podcast in particular. Um, I've always wanted to talk about confidence because I think that's something that truly affects people on such a big scale in our society, not just women, not just young women, which tends to be the perception, Mm -hmm. but I think people like men, queer folks, older women, older people, whoever you are, we all suffer from a lack of confidence. And today there's no better person to bring in on this topic than this lady over here. If you're listening on the podcast, you don't know who I'm pointing to. It's a lovely person sitting next to me. Before I um, get her to introduce herself, I want to let you know that Duff or Marianne, Mm -hmm. I should say, we, I call her Duff because that's her last name. Um, is someone who just sets my soul on fire whenever I'm around her. I feel like she has this confidence when she enters a room, it just lights up and there's like almost this quality of magnetism that just draws people in, that makes people want to listen to what she's saying. I think partially it's, you're going to hear it, but it's the way that she speaks. It's very passionate, Uh, (laughs) but it's also just how direct and straight up she is. And I think a lot of us need that source of like tough love Mm -hmm directness in our lives I'm certainly very grateful for it and I love that in her work so she works as a fitness instructor she really marries this idea of meditation and high intensity workouts so she teaches spin and boxing which are both very just again high intensity very go 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 modalities and I've taken both classes very special experience I'm gonna we're gonna plug her at the end so if you want (laughs) to take classes with her you can Um, but yeah I think it as someone who used to instruct in CrossFit, I know that it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of self-assurance to command a room and to get people to do things that aren't easy to explain or demonstrate. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about that experience and everything else to do with living your life with confidence in just a bit. Before that, let's give a round of applause to Marianne, <laughs> aka Duff, and she's going to introduce herself. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, yeah, so as Corinne said, my name is Marianne. I generally, in Toronto at least, go by Duff or Duffy, my last name. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm a bit of a nomadic maritimer, so I'm from Prince Edward Island originally. I'm definitely like introverted by nature, which people find really hard to believe in the work that I do, but I'm like, it sucks the soul out of me sometimes. Oh, yes. Like, absolutely. I can so relate. After, yeah. like, teaching five classes in a row, I just want to be on a couch and be a vegetable. Yeah, I'm like just a shell so of tired. a human, and I just <laughs> yeah. want to cry. I know. It gave so much away, <laughs> so much energy. I need to recharge. But, yeah, as for who I am and, and what I'm about, it's that's, like, one of the most complex questions I feel like I'm ever asked, because I don't really view it as like a snapshot in time. I'm constantly evolving, I'm constantly changing. I'm like, what I liked yesterday isn't necessarily what I like today. Yeah, originally I I am university educated. I studied sociology and law. I worked in criminal defense for a long time and that was my life and I just sat at a desk and had the soul sucked out of me. Like I imagine like a syringe (laughs) slowly. Uh, And then yeah, I always loved sports. I always loved fitness. So then I kind of recognized like you can get paid to wear spandex <laughs> all day long and like listen to rap music and just like give high fives. Yeah. So I was like, well, okay. there's a lot more to what you do. That's that. it. But, That's it. <laughs> but that is the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah. So now I work full time in fitness. I kind of do a bunch of different stuff, boxing mostly, but 
spin, a little bit of hit, whatever y'all need, I can do. Who knows where I'm going? That's where I am now. And you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned for the evolution of Marianne. <laughs> I think that's part of why you're so magnetic too, is that there's, it's not mystery around you. I don't want to call it that. I think that diminishes it, but there's just a sense of carefreeness, mm. which in a city like Toronto is very hard to find. Yeah. Everyone has it down to a science, what they're going to do in two years, five years, 10 years. Whereas you're just like, and I could survive anywhere. I could, yeah, do, I could thrive and excel anywhere. So yeah, we'll see where life takes me. And that is fucking confidence, ladies and gentlemen. But I want to go back to the fact that you've moved around a lot yeah. in your life and career. So you started off in PEI. Did you work uh, in, did you go to school in PEI? No, I went in, to school in Halifax. Okay, in Halifax. Yeah. And then did you work as a criminologist or parallel? That was in there? Calgary. Okay, no. so you went to Calgary no. after university. I went to Toronto after university. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, walk us through. <laughs> okay, so... I grew up in PEI, okay. 18 years. Then I went to university in Halifax, four years. From Halifax, I came to Toronto. Mm -hmm. Because everybody that goes to Dalhousie is from Toronto. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and so from Toronto, it was a bit too much. It was too much sauce. So I went to Edmonton. Okay. From Edmonton, That's I went to way Calgary. way less sauce. <laughs> yeah, a lot less sauce. And it wasn't enough sauce. So then I went to Calgary. And then from Calgary, I came back to Toronto. Oh, wow. So, and yeah, here I am. Amazing. For yeah. those of you who don't know Canadian geography, that's literally from east to yeah. the west, back Whoa. to the center. Yeah. Maybe back to the maybe east. Maybe back to the east. I don't who know. The fuck knows? Who knows? Maybe north. Maybe north. Or maybe south. I mean, who knows? honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think that takes a lot of bravery. The idea of starting fresh mm -hmm. um, in a city where I don't necessarily have a lot of friends or family, yeah. that's very scary. And I think I'm a lot of people share that sentiment. Mm -hmm. So kind of walk us through what it's like to start over each time. I guess I don't necessarily view it as starting over. I don't view it as ground zero. You know, I, I view it as like a stepping stone. Right. You know, everything I've grown, everything I've developed, I've evolved. So I knew that every time I made that next step and I leaped in faith and like into that discomfort, I would grow. Mm. I never really had that much attached to it. I didn't just fly in the wind. I wasn't like, oh, here today, gone tomorrow. Like... Right. I always navigate life and, and I believe that I'm still going to move so many more times because of the way that my mind works. Mm. I'm constantly looking for kind of like that next move and, and it makes me nervous sometimes that I'm like, okay, will you ever ground yourself somewhere? Where will home be for you? And I'm like, it's not that I think the grass is greener on the other side. Mm. It's not that mentality of like running from anything. Mm -hmm. I've always been driven, you know, like... I believe in God. I grew up going to church and that's something at this point in my life that I have a larger relationship with. But I look back at all those turning points in my life and I'm like, something else was driving you. Mm. You know, I always knew that feeling in my body when I would start to like open my eyes and be like, you know what? What would, what would Calgary be like? Okay, like why don't you go see Calgary? Why don't you see if like there's something in that city that there's some reason that your mind or you're, you're being drawn to, but what is that? Okay, explore that. All right, go. So, right. I don't know, like there's, I know that I've evolved and the more I moved, the more I recognized how much I developed. Right. So, it, there was, it always was positive. It was always a positive experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of us, when we encounter change or... Mm -hmm this need to change our first initial reaction is fear like yeah. you said it's like ooh, like and then we try to distort our reality to convince ourselves that 
that change isn't going to be good or it's not going to be worth mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, I want to move to Paris, but I don't speak the language, yeah. so it wouldn't be fun anyways. I wouldn't have any friends. Like, we yeah. just find ways to justify to convince ourselves that change is bad yeah. or it's negative, but it seems like you almost, like, run towards it. Like, yeah. you, you welcome it in that end. Do you think that's something that you were born with or something that you were you grew up being instilled with? It definitely was something I, I, like, I grew up in a village. Where I come from, <laughs> there's 200 people. My, my family, I have, there's seven people in my family. Six of them stayed on PEI. So my dad was a little bit of, like, a nomad, I guess. I don't really attach myself to people or places. Mm. I more what you, so... What do you attach yourself to, then? I think it is just that, like, freedom to develop. You know, that freedom to move. But again, I always have to check myself. Where is that coming from? Because mm. that could also be driven from fear, right? Like you talked yeah. about um, escapism, mm-hmm. using moving as an excuse to start, to, to leave things behind, yeah. to not deal with things. And do you think that that has happened? I think my first move from Prince Edward Island to Halifax was like escapism. You know, you were going through stuff coming out of high school, whether that's relationship, friendship, whatever. And I decided in that moment, I was only applying to Halifax. Mm. I, I, want, I didn't want another option to stay because I knew if I stayed, I could be comfortable there. Mm. So I think my first move was based off like you know, like hopping across the ocean and then hopefully maybe like from there make educated decisions or make decisions with a broader like horizon on what the world is and society and just culture. So I believe that the first one probably was a little bit more of that. But after that, I think I just recognized, look how much you developed in those four years. Look how much you developed in those six months. Look how much you developed in those three years. Look like you went from being a villager with thinking that I wanted to be a prison warden to being a fitness instructor downtown Toronto. Right. It's like, I couldn't have dreamt that one up. Yeah, and you did that all on your own. I think yeah. that also develops confidence. Yeah. Is when you know that you can handle these changes on your own and not rely yeah. on someone else. Absolutely. Well, what are some, some benefits or values of putting yourself you know, out there or taking risks like moving to a brand new city? What are some positives that you experienced? I think, I mean, the main thing is independence. I think that it flows more into that confidence, but like I understand that I am the source of my happiness. Mm-hmm. I am the source of like getting through life. You care so much less about people and places and things. Like I don't own a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I've moved so many times that like it doesn't, stuff doesn't matter. I love what you said about being detached from people, things, and places. Because mm-hmm. I think when people think independence, they're like money is the mm-hmm. number one thing. Well, yeah. I'm financially independent. I make mm-hmm. my own money. I spend it on whatever I want. That to me is independence. Yeah. But if you're still looking for particular people, yeah. like friends or a spouse for external validation, you're dependent on them. Yeah. If you're only comfortable being in a city like Toronto and you can't travel anywhere else on your own, you're dependent on familiarity. 
Yeah. And same thing with things. Like if you're only relying on your car or your beautiful house for that validation to show people that you're successful, you're also yeah. dependent. So really true independence comes from that ability to detach. But that's yeah. not to say you don't have good friends or you don't yeah. cultivate friendship or relationships. It's just that in our relationship contract or yeah. a friendship contract, I know that you're your own person. Yeah. I don't need you to stay in Toronto to show me that you're yeah. my friend. Yeah. Right? And I think that's something that a lot of millennials, like younger people, are struggling with now. Yeah. Is we have this codependency that is so covert or so under-detected. Yeah. I want to talk about the fitness instructor lifestyle mm -hmm. in Toronto specifically or in big cities. Because I've lived it mm -hmm. where you're, you're working at multiple different studios and you're giving your all during these classes yeah. because people are coming to your class to learn from you or to yeah. be energized by you. So you have the sense of responsibility towards them. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about like what that lifestyle looks looked like for you? Right before this, that was probably like when I was doing it the most. Generally, I worked six days a week. So most mornings I was up at like four in the morning and gone. I would maybe train somebody at six in the morning teach a class at 7.30, teach a night class at 9.30, uh, go home for a couple hours, teach again at 4.30, 5.30, whatever it may be. A lot of days I would teach about five classes, maybe four classes. So it is, it's it's a different ball game. Which doesn't sound like a lot to people that work in office yeah. settings. They're, they're like, oh, I work for eight hours a day or nine hours a day, mm -hmm. like it's much longer. It's not like that. No. because. It sounds like it's five hours, but you have to factor in the commute time yeah. in between studios. And then you have to get to the studios a little bit earlier to set up yeah. the, the classroom, to get the equipment that you need, to whatever sound yeah. check if you're on a mic, like in this, a spin class. And then afterwards, members stay behind and they want to ask mm -hmm. you questions. They want to, you know, connect with you or get to know you. So really, five hours turns more into like, yeah. I would say like 10-hour days where you're invested Absolutely. in what you're doing. I always said like I taught... 20, let's say I taught uh, 20 classes a week, which is realistic. Mm -hmm. That's 40 hour work week, minimum. For sure. And those 40 hours, I'm on my bike. You or, are on. Yeah, like, yeah. or yeah, exactly. You're literally working like, out with that. I am, yeah, oh, absolutely. But it's like, I'm biking to a studio. I'm jumping off my bike. I'm running into a studio. I'm getting on a spin bike yeah. for 50 minutes. Absolutely. I'm jumping off that. I'm getting back on my bike to get across town to right. teach a boxing class back to back to back. And you're yelling the whole time mm -hmm. and you want to be pleasant yeah that can be exhausting well people also have questions for you where you can't just deflect and be like oh, okay yeah whatever I'll answer that later like they want to know information so you have to be on you have to give them the best that you possibly can and I mean not to diminish anyone who's working in an office but you get to sit down, you get to go to the yeah. washroom and take breaks. When you're in classes or when you're in commute, you can't go to no. the fucking washroom. You can't eat anything. There, you can't. You don't always remember to drink water even yeah. because it's just not convenient enough or like there's not enough space yeah. for you to just think about things like that or check in with yourself. I feel like it's like dance monkey. Mm -hmm. Like that is literally like you are there to put on a show. It is performative. To like, literally. Like, For sure. yeah, you are there to put on a show to like entertain them, to relieve their stress. And then you have to recognize how am I going to relieve my stress? How am I going to bring myself back down to earth? And that can be the hardest part of it is like, you're tired. You just worked. You were just in these streets for 10 hours. You gave everything. Your voice is busted. And yeah, you go home and it's like, you have relationships, you have friendships, you have family, like... And that can be hard because people don't recognize that like this is their job. 
just like I am at my desk and I'm exhausted. So that can be like something that, you know what, whatever, I signed up for it. But I feel like that is the biggest miss in our world. I think that so. That people are kind of like, just think like, oh man, she just teaches one fitness class a day and she's yeah. getting her work, she's getting paid to work out. I'm yeah. like, or she looks like she's having such a good time. Yeah. Therefore, it must be so easy. And it's like, yeah, it takes a lot to recover yeah. from from being performative. And it's not that we're resentful. Like, I no, don't regret yeah. all the classes that I've taken yeah. or I've took or I've taught. Yeah. <laughs> because I obviously learned a lot from them and yeah. I really enjoyed that work. But I can't deny that it is very strenuous. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's very demanding. And so one thing that I really struggled with when I was teaching fitness was being present. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that you really um, kind of hone in on or you emphasize in Mm -hmm. your classes, especially your spin classes, is Mm -hmm. this idea of pushing really hard, working really hard, but also using that as meditation to Mm -hmm. be focused in the now. Yeah. Okay, so why don't you talk a little bit more about where you came up with that philosophy or that approach? A lot of it started with boxing because I recognized how much movement is connected to your breath. So if you just remind people or if you continuous to like bring their attention to their breath, like, hey, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Every time you punch, you breathe out. And that is actually the technique. But then if you start telling people, like every time that your mind kind of wanders off, bring it back. Mm -hmm. That was kind of where I became so passionate with boxing though because I recognized it was something that kept me very in the now. Mm-hmm. I My mind wouldn't wander because of how connected to my breath I was. I would lose my breath if I held my breath. So then I started to realize, yo, you can do this with high intensity interval training. You can do this with spin. Do you recognize that any of that can be a moving meditation to a certain extent? You can actually unwind in that if you do it properly. If you stay right here, if you're going to pound away on a boxing bag and your mind is in your office, then Mm. you're not even there. You might as well have not come at the end of the day. Yeah, I think one thing that definitely hinders people from seeing the progress that they want to or Mm -hmm. the um, almost like the performance improvements that they want to is because they're not mentally engaged Mm -hmm. in the exercise. Yeah. Yeah, you showed up. That was the bare minimum that was a good first step but now that you've been here for a few months or even a few years for some people and you're not progressing or you're not moving forward in the amount of weight that you're lifting or the number of reps you can pump out or how fast you Mm -hmm. can spin or run or whatever it is if you're not progressing or pushing your body that's because you're mentally not using this opportunity to really focus on what you're doing you're probably still checking out you're checking your phone during the classes or you're talking to the person next to you there's like a funnel of acceptable behaviors so if you think about like a like a funnel how it starts off very Mm -hmm. wide and then it ends off very narrow Mm -hmm. so that you can feed things into a bottle right that wide part is the first part of your fitness journey Mm -hmm. is when you show up you can literally do one burpee during that Mm -hmm. class and still see benefits because you're so new and anything that you do in fitness or in that class is a step up from not exercising that's at that point but as you progress along the funnel or progress along your fitness journey that funnel becomes narrower and narrower so the amount of acceptable behavior for you to engage in in order for you to improve now becomes narrower Mm -hmm. so instead of just showing up you also have to put in effort Mm -hmm. you also have to push a little bit harder you have to get a little out of breath you have Mm -hmm. to sweat and then eventually as it gets narrow and narrower towards the end that's where a lot of elite athletes are Mm -hmm. right now right so that's where they need to account for things like 
nutrition, sleep management, stress management, recovery, manual therapy, all of these things. So your realm of acceptable behavior is always getting narrower Mm -hmm. as you progress along your journey. And if you're not tailoring to where you're at at that point, you're not going to see results. And I see that with my nutrition clients a lot is they're like, well, I used to do this. um, If if I go on a sugar detox before for two weeks and I lose 20 pounds, Mm -hmm. but now I can't do that anymore. I can't replicate that. I'm like, well, that's because you're so far along your nutrition journey that what you were doing before is no longer enough. You have to watch your sugar intake and you have to minimize your trans fatty acids and you have to watch when you're eating and how much you're eating in terms of ratios of macronutrients. So it becomes more and more specific over time. And that's not to intimidate anyone and say like, oh, like you have to keep working hard. You'll never ever get to enjoy and just coast. That's not true. It just means that during that one hour that you're in that class, you have to show up more Mm -hmm. than before. And that shouldn't be asking for too much from you. That's actually good for you in the long run. I think it's like recognizing and something that I again like to really emphasize in my class is like your mental state. So making those choices, everything is going to be like a why in the road. You know, like do I relax? Do I let it go? Do I drop off? Do I listen to all those voices kind of telling me that like I can't? Or do you make that choice to be better, to be stronger? So it's like setting that intention. Again, like there's so many mental states that I like to remind in a boxing class. Like, what is your intention for today? The, right off the bat, when you step in, what immediately comes to you? Like, you know, maybe my intention is just that I just show up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just show up. Do what you can. Maybe your intention is like, no, like I have so much stress, like living my body right now. I need to release it. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. every time you want to drop off and give into that bullshit, keep moving. Because that's how you rewrite those programs in your brain. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is more than just a spin bike. It is more than just a boxing bag. It's that you have a brain that is probably a billion years old when we like genetically go back and you're predisposed to do certain things or maybe to take certain choices or to move in a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. Do, what do you want to accomplish now? Do you want to get stronger? Do you want to get better? Do you want to, whatever it is. Okay, well that's gonna require rewriting your brain. Mm -hmm. It's gonna require rewriting patterns, whether that's movement patterns, whether that's mental patterns, whether that's spiritual, whatever it is. It's like choices, 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 choices. Totally. Well, the number one thing that I hear when I suggest uh, therapy to people is, well, like I can't afford it. Well, this is therapy. This is literally a program, play, Program. Program. <laughs> My Chinese accent just came right back online. Um, this is literally a playground for your brain to to just work mm-hmm. through whatever bullshit you've been yeah. feeding it, whatever narrative you have been believing in or yeah. buying into in in the past. And I think that looks different for different people. Like we talk about pushing harder, mm-hmm. being stronger, doing more. But there's also people out there that need to rein that shit back. Like you need to listen to your body as well. Mm -hmm. Whatever your challenge is, you need to make sure you're tuned into that and you're supporting that and progressing through that. So we've both worked in fitness um, for a few years. Do you or have you ever felt like pressure to look a certain way? Because I feel like there's definitely expectations for Mm. women, especially to... um, abide by like a certain set of aesthetic standards i think subconsciously everybody has that Mm -hmm. you know everybody thinks that like especially females yeah you should be this leaned out like whatever you call that yeah um you have to be shredded but you also have to have a really big juicy butt 
and big yeah, boobs. and big boobs and like a little waist and a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do I feel the pressure? I don't take on the pressure. I guess mm. is what I should say. That's do great. I think that it subconsciously exists? in everybody's mind like when I show up to teach a class and if somebody's there that thinks like yo man this girl's a little bit thick cool yeah man okay cool like there's so many different bodies I'm healthy and I could run circles around you totally so I know that that about myself I work hard Mm -hmm. I run I do all these different things and I take care and I eat well and I meditate so if that is where your head is at is focused on my body I'm sorry I'm gonna pray for you um, for myself, part of that comparison on social media feeds into imposter syndrome yeah. for me. Is when I talk about nutrition, when I talk about fat loss or muscle gain or whatever, I'm like, well, I don't have a six pack, so is anyone going to mm-hmm. trust the science that mm-hmm. I'm preaching or the method that I'm talking about? But I think for every person, healthy looks different, mm-hmm. right? There are some people that eat healthy, that have a great relationship with food, and they have a six pack. Yeah. And that's the way that their body is. Mm-hmm. But all I can do is do the best for my body, and whatever that looks like, maybe it's thicker than someone else on Instagram, but that's my best. Yeah. And so my action really dictates when I'm healthiest, not the way that I look. Yeah. If there is someone out there who wants to change their body, who wants to look leaner, I don't give a shit. I will never judge you. I will actually support you in your goal. Mm -hmm. I will be the nutritionist who helps you get there. But you have to understand if you're not doing this for yourself, if you're not doing this to make yourself happier or feel more comfortable in your being, and you're doing it so that other people can see the value in you for whatever reason or tell you that you're worthy or just that external validation, you're never going to be happy and Mm -hmm. you're going to be miserable every step of the way. Every time you have to say no to a social event, Mm -hmm. you're going to just keep confirming that belief that you're not good enough yet mm-hmm. because and that's why you have to turn that thing down um and and that's really painful that's a mm-hmm. really sad way to live well i know we can relate to it kind of but it was because i had a broken heart mm. so i actually was just like uh a probably mentally unstable b i ran because i was like not in a good headspace right. and then it became an obsessive thing so it's not that I was looking at Kim K on Instagram being like right. me me me. I was more yeah. like I am, I like am unhappy. I am heartbroken. Mm-hmm. I need to distract myself or I'm going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. But yes, because of that, because I was doing so much cardio, I leaned out so fast that I was like, "Oh, so it became then an obsessive thing. It's like mm-hmm. I had to run. I had I to, to maintain this. I had to maintain. I had to do this. I couldn't have. And then it became obsessive about eating. That like, no, I can't have that. I can't. And then it became like I would binge. Mm-hmm. And then there was a day that I was like, you are going to be a sick human if you don't understand that this is a lifestyle. I think that's it wasn't, 100. I know yeah. it's not triggered by you know, wanting to look like someone else. Yeah. But that pursuit of having to maintain that yeah. or realizing that, oh, now that I look this way, it's better than what I was looking like before. Yeah, exactly. That idea, that comparison yeah. or that like pedestal that you put yeah. your new body on is for sure something that I think other people can relate to. Yeah, and it's absolutely. something that's detrimental and not healthy. It's scary, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting with food because it really evolves. Like over time like I think a lot of people can relate to this idea of 
first of all, eating less. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a point where you can't turn down, like your primal urges take over. You're just so hungry. Mm -hmm. You're so deprived. And you're so like chemically imbalanced in your body and brain that you have to eat. Mm -hmm. But the only way you can allow yourself to eat is in these big binge episodes. And so you swing the other way. And then you have to really figure out what is like the happy medium or normalizing your hormones and your physiology so that it can sustain this new normal. And I love your self-awareness. I love that you can snap yourself Mm -hmm. out of that mental headspace. I think so many people out there can't. I'm one of them. It took a lot of therapy for me to understand and realize the mechanisms in which I was justifying that in my heart in my brain like I would teach classes for many many days in a row and I was working a retail job so I was just balancing all these different gigs at the time and when I came home you know if I had one day off out of seven days I would just veg out on the couch and I would eat a bunch of shit that I couldn't eat during the week and that to me is a huge binge episode and slowly I would start to do that more often and I would look forward to those episodes and that would be like my only source of joy and escape and that was really toxic I think everything requires so much self-awareness like life in general requires so much self-awareness and recognizing patterns Mm -hmm. whether those patterns are relationship food sleep if you can have the self-awareness to recognize the patterns in which you just like gas and cycle you you can figure anything out I truly believe that. So I I feel like that's where my like analytical mind comes in. I love patterns. I recognize patterns in myself very quickly. Mm -hmm. So then I'm able to recognize, does that pattern serve you? Because now you're hardwiring it. Mm -hmm. So before I hardwire things, for the most part, my partner would probably say there's some hardwired shit in there. (laughs) (laughs) It does not serve. Um, But I'm like, hey, I think, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so having that awareness of once you notice yourself continuously doing something, pull yourself out. But maybe that's easier said than done. I don't know. It's so much easier said than done. I I spoke to somebody about this recently, how humans in general have maybe like three or four different stories they tell themselves. And Mm. everything you do is based off those truths. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not safe. Or I am not, I am not, I'm no good. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That's a very, very good one. So then everything you do in so many different areas of your life stems from that story. And until you're able to pull those couple stories out of your body and recognize like, wow, that is, I tell myself that. Mm -hmm. Because we're gonna project them on everybody else. Right. That relationship that didn't work, like all of those things, you are gonna project all of those stories on. And I mean, again, like, that is heavy. That That's a lot of work that you really do have to look at yourself. But I think it's just like starting. Recognize that everything is connected. Everything is connected. I think that's a great place to start yeah. is looking at what stories and what narratives you are telling yourself. What's, what kind of character are you playing in yeah. these narratives? Are you the hero or are you the antagonist or victim? Mm-hmm. I think that's the main theme here is with personal development, whatever avenue you take, yeah. just take it. Yeah. Do something. Do something. It's better than nothing. And There's so much cool information out there. Yeah. And the more you talk about the more you hear other people talk about the more you see other people write about it, yeah. the more you can gather up terms to describe how you feel. I think that's where self-awareness comes from is when you're able to put your feelings or translate your feelings or thoughts or behaviors into words yeah then you can communicate them to other people then you can ask for help then you can effectively you know call yourself out if something like that happens again um instead of feeling so confused and like things are happening to you you're more empowered to be like they're happening on my terms and here's what i can do about them and back to the confidence Mm -hmm. um topic involving myself 
I believe that majority of my confidence comes from my knowledge. Mm. And it's not that I think I'm smarter than anybody. It's that I'm constantly seeking information Mm -hmm. so that when I move in a space, I can speak with intention. Mm -hmm. I'm not just blowing smoke out of people's asses. If I don't have anything right to say, shut up. You know, like, don't talk. Listen. So it's like... And ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I I have navigated life in that way. I want to have as much information so I can go into a room and learn. Mm -hmm. I can go and sit down and have a conversation with somebody and it could be about anything. You probably have a little bit of knowledge. If all you do is read and watch... I don't even watch TVs, listen to podcasts. Like you develop a lot of random information. So then you go into a room or you go into a studio and you have the most interesting conversations with people. And you're, I don't know. So I believe that the largest source of my confidence comes from my brain Mm. because I don't care if you don't like the look at me. I don't Mm -hmm. care if I'm not thin enough to teach you how to box. Yes. The knowledge in here can. And the things that I'm going to say to you to try to make you feel better about yourself and move better and be better, that can. So if you don't like the look of me, what do I care? Yeah. I love this idea that our bodies are like the least interesting aspects of us. Least. Least interesting. We talked about this the other day. Girls were like, because somebody cat called me and they were like, I was like, that's offensive. Like if, you know, this happened being at a a cafe and a, a man is like, what are you reading? I can appreciate that because you anybody can compliment what you look like. Mm-hmm. Nice hair, nice smile. I don't Cute. care. Shut up. I don't need your validation. Yeah. And I don't I like good for you you thinking that's confident to come up to a girl. Compliment her on something that isn't physical. Right. You you come and, and like I think that, that is something that I would say to like young women is like if you're getting your validation from physical compliments, you gotta reevaluate. That will never grow your confidence. It, it'll never that be enough. Don't last. It'll yeah. never be enough because no, then it, that it, is an ever evolving thing about like what is attractive, what is cool, what is this, what is that, and then you're getting plastic no surgery winning. every freaking three years. Like right, it is. It's it's never ending. Whereas if you can constantly expand your mind and you can have opinions and you know yeah you'll you'll meet really interesting people, you'll attract really interesting people, and you'll develop. Right. For Which everyone. is very attractive. Totally. That's you know, the sexiest like, thing. You literally. Can, you could put like the hottest person in front of me, but if they can't oh. hold a conversation or, you know, if they're not introspective and yeah. they don't know who they are, they couldn't tell me like who they are as a person, yeah. what interests them. That to me is such a turnoff. Yeah. And yeah. And I think a sign of intelligence also is humor. Yeah. Right. Is when someone is yeah, witty yeah. And, and cunning. Yeah. And I think that's really sexy. I think yeah. that's really attractive. All of it comes down to self-awareness. Yeah. I love that you said that. Oh, I just fucking love this conversation. (laughs) I love that you brought that up because I've definitely come across people that do cool shit. Yeah. Okay. But when they can't explain to me what their intention is behind doing that cool thing or why they think it's cool, that's when I'm like, you don't have depth. Yeah. I can appreciate. I mean, style. Like, I love it all. I can be just as, like, short-sighted as anybody else. Yeah. Like... (laughs) Yeah, but same. that isn't where my confidence stems from. That right. is an add-on. Like whenever I have cool shoes and a cool outfit, that's an add-on. But if somebody comes up to me and wants to talk to me about my cool shoes or my outfit, 
I'm good. I do feel confidence is often tied in with physical attributes and what you look like and oh she's so beautiful so she must be confident or he's so he's probably no that has nothing to do with anything yeah like, and I mean I think both of us have been there where we've been I guess closer to society's definition of beauty where I've been smaller and mm-hmm. leaner and more tanned and had like better hair or better skin or whatever it is but I didn't feel confident at that yeah, point no. that beauty that outer beauty looking back now it makes no sense to me. I should have been so confident. I was, I was teeny tiny. I like could fit into clothes that Mm -hmm. I wanted to. And my body looked a certain way, but why didn't I feel confident? Because I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the depth. I didn't do the deep work it took to be an interesting person and to know myself as competent in any situation. I think that's part of knowledge too, is for me, I got a lot of my confidence through traveling Mm -hmm. on my own and talk about independence, right? Like you are literally in a foreign country that, where you don't speak the language, where you don't understand street signs, um, where you've never even eaten the food yeah. or whatever, um, and you have to navigate that on your own. And once you have the knowledge that, okay, I got this. Yeah. I can be put into any country on the in the world and I can find my way through yeah. and I can survive it and I can find enjoyment and, and happiness there. Yeah. Like that to me builds confidence yeah. as well. So there are different ways to build confidence, but ultimately all we're trying to do is just be more than just a face yeah more than just a body it's a lot more inner yeah well i want to talk about self-care because obviously you're well aware of how important that is as a fitness Mm -hmm. instructor um but how do you think self-care ties into building confidence or being a more confident person my self-care is a lot tied into what i know i need i know i need alone time i know that i need good sleep that's so important for me like I know that I need to feed my body in order to fuel myself to get through it if I don't do all those things that I need I can't do my job Mm -hmm. so I think that our my field of work requires me to be a lot more like strict about it or else I can't do my job but it's I'm constantly evaluating what I need right what I need to get through and generally I need silence I need to recharge through those and yeah like I and then beyond that is like an outer level like friendship and you know the things that fill me up like emotionally kind of thing but to kind of to add on to what you're saying because I agree with all of it but to me um, self-care provides this idea or this level of competency that adds to my confidence confidence Mm -hmm. like I'm capable of taking care of myself Mm -hmm. that is very very that is very confidence producing I don't rely on someone else to do this Mm -hmm. for me I don't rely on someone else's schedule for me to feel recharged I do it on my own time and I do it on my own terms that freedom and that competency is very um confident confidence building yeah uh and and again it's like you have to understand what fills your cup right you can try a bunch of different things and they might not work you just have to figure out what works for yourself and part of that journey also builds confidence Mm -hmm. because you're trying things and you're failing and you're still coming back to show up for yourself and commit to yourself and when you keep promises to yourself like when you take really good care of yourself it feels fucking good Mm -hmm. like I have clients that you know have tried to get over their sugar addiction And then when they're finally able to commit to a plan or commit to what they say they'll do for themselves and execute it on a regular basis, that feels really fucking Mm -hmm. good. 
All right. Well, I think that's a lot of really good information on confidence, on our personal experiences. And keep in mind, like, this is something that we've dealt with in many different demographics in the fitness classes, in my nutrition clients that I've worked with. Is just that uh, there's such a theme of relating confidence with physical appearance. Mm-hmm. And somehow your physical appearance is supposed to say that you are enough as a person. Yeah. Like that, it, the physical appearance is so small. It's like yeah. a penny. Whereas who you are as a person, how worthy you are, is a giant beach ball. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't even cover the surface of it. Mm-hmm. So for people to reduce all of who they are to just their appearance is really sad. And it's just leading to toxicity and disappointment. Um, so really my one takeaway for everyone here is to aim for awareness and awareness starts with education and Mm -hmm. knowledge nothing in the entire world no course no coach no mentor Mm -hmm. has ever helped me with my imposter syndrome like knowledge and education did and the more i read the more videos i watch the more um, i talk to people who are surrounded than me and i let my ego go and i ask questions Mm -hmm. and i be curious and i let myself be the dumbest person in the room that's what has helped with my imposter syndrome because knowing that i'm doing the work to become better is very reassuring Mm -hmm. and very confidence building But I want to say a huge thank you to Marianne for being here. Before we let her go, though, we're going to go through a round of rapid-fire questions. So uh, are you ready? (laughs) First thing that comes to your mind, all right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Where were you born? Uh, King Corp, Prince Edward Island. Oh, yeah, that was fast. What's your favorite animal? Ricky the dog. (laughs) Oh, Ricky the pimple. She's so fucking cute. cute? So chill, too. Um, How do you take your coffee? Black. Uh, that's pretty in line with your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Gotta uh, feed my soul something. Yeah. What's your favorite sport to watch? I don't... Uh, anything that Rolly plays. <laughs> so football. Ding! Got it. <laughs> that was a bonus point. Yeah, girlfriend bonus points. What would your last meal on earth be? Oh, uh, like burger and candy. Burger and candy. Uh, Interesting yeah, like, combo. Maybe, I don't like, know. Like candy in the burger? Or no, like, like a side. Like a dessert. Two, oh, yeah. like, oh my God, so much. I, I, everything. <laughs> I'll take one so of So many each, things, please. like cheesecake. Uh, so you. much. Yeah. Uh, what's your go to karaoke song? Always oh, Be My Baby. Right. Oh Harry. my God, can you hit the high notes though? That is no. such a good one. <laughs> Fuck, that's such a good one. Uh, what's your favorite place you've ever visited in the world? Probably Barbados. Mmm, I do. Oh. Barbados. Yeah. I would like to go back. Beautiful. Uh, what's a quote that motivates you? Uh, life and death in the power of the tongue. Damn! Yeah. Okay, a quote that motivates me is legit said by Duff. <laughs> you're either in or you're in the way. You're either in or you're in the way. It's true. <laughs> There's no such thing as life in between, y'all. It's true. You're either in or you're in the fucking way. Yeah. If you weren't working in fitness or fitness instructing, yeah. what would you be doing? Something that always, I don't even know what this job is. I think it'd be dope to be a buyer. I can't think of like a fashion designer that I would want to be or like a line. Almost, I, I don't know, like a platform where you didn't have, it, it was like eccentric clothing and you were just a buyer. You could just find like the craziest, dopest clothes uh. all over the world and be like, cool, 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 cool. But you didn't have to be like, Okay, our target market is like, or a like 40 year old. Our brand, yeah. yeah. Is like this. So I don't know if the job necessarily exists because I also don't want to design <laughs> the clothing or anything. I literally just want to like go through like a fun catalog of like crazy You just want to shop and, like, on someone else's dime, basically. Yeah, but All also right. that like you have access to this, like, anyway, something like that. 
Okay. Um, all right, last question. Favorite kombucha flavor ever or a flavor combo you think I should try with kombucha? I feel like the last one I had with you was this like mango jalapeno or something. Ooh, that's a good one. That was amazing. Yeah, I, that's that was my like dad's favorite summer. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has like a weird pickly flavor, but it has a like a Ooh, heat. And yeah. the mango's very sweet yeah, and tropical. Yeah, so good. That's a good one. That one I, I should make that one again. Yeah, yeah that, it was favorites. so good. Love it. Okay, where can we find you? Um, what classes do you teach? Mm. What do you do? Tell well, us everything. When I'm not in quarantine, uh, you can kind of find me all over the city. Equinox. You see a bright spot uh, biking <laughs> down Avenue or Ossington? That's Mary. That's me. <laughs> it's like six cycle, uh, spin, undercard boxing, Equinox, Adelaide Club. Yeah. Uh, where else am I? All over. I'm all really. over. Literally. But on social media, you can find her at just at Marianne Duffy. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E-D-U-F-F-Y. Yes. There we go. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm Thanks so for coming. You were on the first <laughs> batch. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, no, you were like literally one of the first names I thought of uh, for the show. Angel. Yeah, no. Um, but if you guys want to stay up to date with the show, with the podcast, definitely give us a follow at Booch Please Podcast. And if you want to follow me at kombucha.mommy, um, I just post about nutrition and science and all the things that aren't really part of this podcast. So, you know, it just balance me, balances my life out, yin and yang. <laughs> and if you want to leave comments or email me, please feel free to do that. All the information is in the description. And I wouldn't hate you if you gave me a five-star rating. You know, I wouldn't hate you. I would actually probably love you. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. See you.